Well, if you would take your Bible and turn to Romans chapter number five, Romans chapter number five, and as you're turning there, if you're able to physically stand together one more time, uh, we'll read through two verses, Romans chapter number five. And verse number 20 is where we're going to start. Romans chapter number 5 and verse number 20, the Bible says, Moreover, the law entered, that the offense might abound. But where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. That as sin hath reigned unto death, even so might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. And let's keep reading a couple more verses here. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? And let's pray together. Lord, thank you for the the day thus far. Uh, Pray, Lord, now as we turn our attention to your word and your will for our lives. Pray, Lord, that you would... uh, Remove the distractions from our life and help us to focus in now and to help us to be good hearers of the word, but then help us to be good doers more than that. And uh, we ask that uh, you'd be honored and glorified in all that goes on now in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. So my question is for you this morning, what comes to your mind when you think of the word discontinued? Uh, that's the title of the message this morning, Discontinued. A couple things come to my mind uh, when I think of that word. I think of, and uh, I don't know, this is a little weird, but I think of Costco. Um, my wife taught me this uh, a few years ago, and it just kind of sticks with me. Um, when you go to Costco and you see the, the big price tag, and they're usually about, what, this big, or if they're on the aisles, they're like this big, but if they have an asterisk in the top right corner of the, uh, of the price tag, that means that that item has been discontinued. That means that they're no longer going to carry that item and that uh, you might you should get it while you can because eventually it's going away and they're going to stop carrying that item. Uh, another thing that came into my mind was uh, I, I like smoothies in the morning. Um, I am a big smoothie guy. When I was in California, um, I would go to Jamba Juice on the way to uh, the church. Um, they had one sort of on the way. Uh, it was a little bit out of the way, but I still went there anyway. It was on the way, you know. And, uh, and I went and got my banana berry jamba juice. And uh, when we moved here, I was like, oh, cool. Hopefully, because in Montana, they didn't have anything up there. So I was like, cool, maybe they have a jamba juice here in Oklahoma. They do in Edmond <laughs> and Tulsa. Like, thanks, you know. And, and I actually have been to both of those jamba juices since, since moving here, uh, not really just for that reason. I didn't go all the way to Tulsa just for a Chamba Juice, just so you know. Uh, but um, so I had to decide, okay, well, there's got to be a, a closer smoothie place that, that, that sells good s- smoothies. And, uh, and there is. It, is. it is Tropical Smoothie Cafe. And uh, how many of you like Tropical Smoothie Cafe? Okay, uh, many hands are up. Okay. So when I, when I went there, I started trying some of the flavors, and I ordered one, and it instantly became my favorite. Like, I would get it every time. And, and, I, and I get these about once a week, maybe twice a week. And so I, I really found one that I really liked. Um, I really hesitate to even say the name of it because you're going to think I need to give up my man card if I <laughs> tell you what my, that the name of the flavor is that I like so much. Do you want me to tell you what it is? Okay, I guess I kind of have to now. Um, my, my favorite flavor of smoothie over a tropical smoothie cafe is, okay, peaches and silk. 
I, I know, I know, peaches, uh, peaches and silk. I, I, I always, am, I was embarrassed to even say that when I drive up to the thing, you know, can I take your order? What would you like? Uh, peaches and silk, you know. <laughs> but it was so good. It was so refreshing and light. It wasn't super sweet. It just had the best texture. I mean, it was smooth as silk. I mean, it was, it was the best. Well, one day I drive up to the drive-thru, uh, all ramped up and ready for my peaches and silk uh, smoothie. And uh, they say, hey, uh, you know, welcome to Tropical Cafe, smoothie, whatever. You know, can I take your order? What would you like? What can I get you? And I said, yeah, I'll take a uh, peaches and silk smoothie. And uh, they're like, um, that's, that's been discontinued. Who said that? Who said that? Who said that? Ushers. <laughs> oh, man. Hey, that was, that was a bad day for me. I was going through perilous times. I was being persecuted for my faith that day. But they said it would have been discontinued. They're no longer serving peaches and silk. I was crushed. I mean, I was ready to have a good day and enjoy, start the day with my smoothie and, and get to work, and, but peaches and silk had been discontinued. And uh, so I had to find a new, and, and I, got, I got, you know, like, are, are you serious? Like, when is it going to come back? And there, we don't know if it's ever going to come back. Can I talk to a manager? Can I talk to the CEO? I mean, we need to resolve this right now. I need to have my peaches and silk. And uh, they, they said, no, it, I'm sorry, it, it just, it's been discontinued. So I had to find a new, a new flavor, and the new flavor is a little more manly, but not much more. It's, it's blueberry bliss. <laughs> you know, they, they, they need to come up with a manly name for some of these uh, smoothie flavors. So uh, this, is, this is my cup from Friday. I got a I got a blueberry bliss on Friday, and I washed this out a little bit, so it's not too moldy. Uh, but um, I, I, I love I, I love these. But I was very sad when uh, they said that they are no longer serving peaches and silk. Now, our church theme for 2022 here at Cornerstone Baptist Church is the word continue. And the encouragement is that in this day of perilous times and even times of real persecution, that we as believers would simply continue, that we would be faithful. But in our quest to continue, there are some things as believers of the Lord Jesus Christ that we need to discontinue if we're going to remain faithful in these days, that, that we would say we no longer serve that here. The Apostle Paul writes a precious truth in chapter 5 and verse number 20 where he says, he says, uh, where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. And then he anticipated the question that would arise in the hearts of those Roman believers in chapter 6 and verse number 1 where he said, well, what shall we say then? Shall we continue to sin so that grace can continue to abound more and more? I mean, if we want grace to abound, don't we, shouldn't we sin more and thus uh, allowing grace to abound even more? And of course, the uh, Apostle Paul answers that question in verse number two with the, the two words that simply say, God forbid. Absolutely not. Uh, a firm no. By no means are we to do that. In uh, verse number 15 of Romans chapter six, look there. He says, what then? Shall we sin? Because we are not under the law, but under grace, God forbid. So, in other words, we are to discontinue sin in our lives. Uh, we are to no longer carry that with us. Uh, we are to say we no longer serve that here in these parts. And uh, this is not the only place, Romans 6, is not the only place we're called to discontinue sin as believers, if you uh, turn over a couple books to Ephesians chapter number uh, 4, a couple books to the right, uh, Ephesians chapter number 4, and uh, pick it up in verse number 22. The Apostle Paul says that ye put off concerning the former conversation the old man, 
which is corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. They put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. He says in verse 25, we need to discontinue some sin here. Wherefore, putting away lying. We need to put away the sin of lying. Speaking every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. He said, be angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Neither give place to the devil. Let him that stole steal no more. I remember when uh, I was a teenager, my best friend and I, we were at a, um, I think it was Sam's Club or a place like that that had the, uh, the little food court there where you can get a cheap slice of pizza and a cheap hot dog and a, a drink to go with it. Well, we didn't really have much money and, and uh, I really wanted some soda, but instead I asked for a water cup. I took that water cup and I went to the uh, fountain there and uh, my cup did not land underneath the water spout. It landed under a different spout. It, an- it landed under a soda one and I pushed it and I filled my water cup with soda. Oh, that's not that big of a deal. Well, somebody saw me do that. And they said, young man, you used a water cup and you put soda in that and you didn't pay for that. You know what that is? That's stealing. And I felt this big. You know, that's not that big of a deal. Uh, this world would not consider that a big deal. Uh, it, it's a big deal to God. Let him that stole steal no more. Goes on to say, but rather let him labor, working with his hands the thing which is good that he may have to give to him that needeth. Let no corrupt communication uh, proceed out of your mouth. Um, the sins that we use with our mouth. That which is, but but instead we we're to use our our communication that which is good to the use of edifying that it may minister grace unto the hearers and grieve not the Holy Spirit of God whereby you are sealed unto the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice and be kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. Paul says in this passage. Uh, there's some sins you need to discontinue that you need to stop serving. You need to say, you know what? We no longer carry that here. I'm sorry. When are you going to start carrying it again? Uh, we're, we're not. Um, I was pretty upset when uh, Peaches and Silk was off the menu. The devil may be a little upset when we say to him, uh, no longer going to serve that particular sin in my life. Sorry but uh, it's been discontinued. And if we're not willing to discontinue some sin in our life, we're not going to be able to continue to be faithful to the Lord Jesus in the days ahead. Okay, so we know that we should discontinue serving sin in our lives as believers. That's a given. If I were to, before the message, go and ask everybody individually and say, hey, do you think Christians should sin? I think everybody would say no. We know that, but, but why? And how are we to discontinue sin? Oh, this morning I want to go through Romans chapter 6 uh, briefly and learn the whys and the hows of us dis- discontinuing sin, how we can and why we should discontinue sin. Well, let's look, number one, first of all this morning at the reasons to discontinue. Now, as a believer, I will be honest with you, Uh, You say, well, you're the pastor. You shouldn't ever have temptation to sin. (laughs) I'm still human, just like you. Uh, We're all the same. And as a believer, I will admit that temptations still allure me. Sin, Sin still feels good. But why then should I discontinue sin in my life? Why should I stop it? Well, there's a... Uh, Three reasons from Romans chapter number six that I want to look at here. First of all, the reason to discontinue sin is because we have a new identity. We have a new identity. Verse number three, if you uh, look there in chapter six, he says, Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized 
into Jesus Christ, were baptized into his death. Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. See, as a believer, I am in Christ, and Christ is in me. And I have my identity in my relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. This past Tuesday, uh, Seth, Luke, and I were helping unload a semi-truck with uh, another family. Uh, And this family happened to be Mormon, and they had a few young Mormon missionaries come by and help with the unloading process. Seth was working with one of them who had uh, a name badge on. You know, those black name badge that says elder so-and-so, and and they're like 20, and all of a sudden they're an elder, you know? Um, Well, he was working with one of them who had a name badge on, and, and as they were working, that name badge kept falling off. And one time when it fell, Seth asked the young man, he said, is that, uh, is that thing that keeps falling off all that important? And the young man said, yes, it is. It's my identity. And he told me that on the way back, and I was like, how sad that a young man would find his identity in a cult that spreads absolute lies. And that's his identity. But see, he, we who are true believers in the Lord Jesus Christ have an identity, not in the church necessarily that we attend, but in our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. That's our identity. The, uh, the believers in Antioch were called Christians first there. And the word Christian was not a p- positive term to be referred to back in those days. Um, It wasn't a compliment, although we would consider it a compliment if someone called us a Christian in our day and age. But back in in the book of Acts, when they were first called Christians, it was because they were just acting like a bunch of little Christs. And obviously, isn't that the goal? Uh, Aren't we supposed to be like that? 2 Corinthians 5 and verse number 17, Paul says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Ephesians 1 and verse number 6 says, To the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved. All of us are accepted in Christ. And that is our identity. We identify with him. And because of that, uh, we should then discontinue sin. You see, as a result of us being in Christ, there has been a great change since I've been born again. There's a song that uh, sometimes gets sung to children in children's classes about the fact that there has been a great change since I've been born again. The things I used to do, I don't do them anymore. The places I used to go, I don't go there anymore. The things I used to listen to, I don't listen to them anymore. The things I used to watch, I don't watch them anymore. The things I used to say, I don't say them anymore. Why? Because I am in Christ and Christ is in me because of my identity. I have a new identity. Next reason In Romans chapter number 6, why we should discontinue sin is not only do we have a new identity, but we are under new management. If you go to verse number 14, he says, For sin shall not have dominion over you. For ye are not under the law, but under grace. See, as a believer in Jesus Christ, no longer do I have Sin as my master, as my boss. I imagine many of us have had times at work when we've gone through a transition in management. When a new boss comes in and we have to kind of now learn their intricacies and their quirks and their leadership style. And and we have to uh, learn all that and and deal with all that. And uh, maybe you've even seen the sign under new management and uh, you wonder, wow, that, you know, usually like that will be under like a restaurant or something like that, new management. So does that mean it's going to be good food now? Because <laughs> it wasn't before. Uh, you just kind of wonder what all that means. 
Well, in Christ, um, as believers, the law and sin are no longer my masters. See, my, my Savior instead and, and grace are now in that particular position. The old bosses, law and sin, were oppressive and brought heartache and despair. But these new bosses, they bring forgiveness from the past. They bring peace for the present and they bring hope for the future. Oh, I like the new masters much better. And because I'm under new management, because I'm under grace, that doesn't give me a license to sin. Instead, it should propel me to a life of righteousness. So we're under new management. But thirdly, thirdly, ooh, the power's coming down right now. A thirdly, why else should we discontinue sin? Because sin brings destruction and death. In verse 21 of Romans chapter 6, here's what it says. What fruit had ye then in those things whereof ye are now ashamed? And that's a reference to sin. What was the fruit of that sin? And in verse 21, he concludes it by saying, for the end of those things is death. In verse 23, it says, for the wages of sin is death. So as we served, just like for those of you who work and you serve at your job, you get a wage, you get a uh, paycheck at the end of the pay period, and you get what you rightfully deserve. Um, for those who serve sin, what we deserve and what the paycheck of all that is, the end of it is sin or is death and destruction. James 1, verse 15, James says it this way, Then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin, and sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. See, sin ends up causing a wake of destruction and death in our lives. The devil, in temptation to sin, promises the world, but instead leaves you completely empty. Remember what Jesus said about the devil in John 8, 44? Jesus said that the devil is a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. Consider the first sin in the history of mankind. The subtle, slimy serpent promised the world to Eve. And so she and her husband took of that fruit. And what were they left with? after they bit into that, whatever that fruit was, what were they left with? Well, they were left with shame, with fear. They were hiding from God. They were separated from God. And then they were dealt with consequences that would impact the rest of humanity, even to us to this day, are still dealing with the consequences of their sin. And ultimately, death it says in Genesis 5 and verse number 5, just a matter-of-fact verse. Let's see if I can find it here. It says, And all the days that Adam lived were 930 years, and he died. That wouldn't have happened if he didn't sin. But because he sinned, he experienced death. And sin in our lives still causes destruction. It still causes death. There have been marriages that have been destroyed and have died because of sin. There have been relationships that have been completely torn apart because of sin. There have been churches that have been torn apart because of sin. There have been lives and families just ruined because of sin. And we need to understand this morning, you say, why should I discontinue sin? Well, because if you continue in it, it's going to cause destruction and it's going to cause death. You see, the devil offer, offers pleasure, but instead delivers pain. He offers fun, but brings fear. He offers a thrill, but instead brings tears. He offers happiness, but instead brings hurt and heartache. He offers rewards, but instead delivers regrets. You see, the devil is a liar. And every temptation is in reality 
a trap. I have with me this morning a trap that is set. And uh, we have some children in here, so I'm hoping that some children can help me with this. Who is ready to lose a finger this morning? I don't think anybody's ready to lose a finger, but um, when you're dealing with a rodent such as a, a mouse or a rat, uh, you get these and you put something on this little part here. What, what is something that you would put on there to attract peanut butter? What else? Cheese. Those are kind of the two big ones. There might be some other ones that you go, oh, this, is, this, always, this also works. But cheese or peanut butter. Uh, when I caught my mouse in California, I used peanut butter, and it worked like a champ. I remember at like 3 o'clock in the morning, I hear this snap, and I'm like, <laughs> kept my eyes closed, and I just smiled in my half-sleep. Got him. You see, every temptation... The devil wants us to focus on the cheese or the peanut butter. And he doesn't want us to consider the fact that this is going to hurt and ruin us and destroy us. He's a liar. And he just says, aren't you hungry? Don't you need some cheese in your life? Uh, don't you deserve this peanut butter? I mean, it's going to taste so delicious. And it's been so long since you've had some peanut butter, you need some in your life. And so he just gets you to focus in on the peanut butter. And so when you do, and you go, ooh, look, some peanut butter. And it hurts. And it hurts bad. And many times it breaks us. And in the rat's case, or in the mouse case, it kills him. Well, I was just going for a little peanut butter. I was just going for a little cheese. It's not that big of a deal. Yeah, just ask David. Who just took a little glance toward a bathing woman. And ended up committing adultery which led to murder and deceit and lies and trying to cover his sin and, and then the, the ramifications of all of that. Oh, it was just one look. It wasn't that big of a deal. Uh, the trap came down. What the devil was trying to get him to do was focus in on the, the cheese, the peanut butter. It's not that big of a deal. You're the king. You've given so much of your time and your energy, you deserve a little look. And Snap went down the trap. And he was caught. And his life was broken because of it. Oh, there was grace and forgiveness. But there was constantly, right now, there's a pretty big old dent in his pencil. And that's going to always be there. I think I took this from your office, Blake, or somebody's office. So I don't know where I got this, but somebody's looking, one of our staff members looking for a pink pencil. It has now a permanent scar in it. And you know what? We can avoid some of those scars if we just discontinue sin. Radio personality Paul Harvey tells a story of how an Eskimo kills a wolf. This account is grisly, but it offers tremendous insight into the consuming, self-destructive nature of sin, the trap that sin really is. Here's what the Eskimo does. First, he coats his knife blade with animal blood and then lets it freeze. Then he adds another layer of blood and another until the blade is completely concealed by frozen blood. Next, the hunter fixes his knife in the ground with the blade sticking up. And when a wolf follows his sensitive nose to the source of the scent and discovers the bait, he begins to lick it, tasting the fresh frozen blood. 
He begins to lick faster, more and more vigorously, lapping the blade until the keen edge is bare. But feverishly now, harder and harder, the wolf licks the blade in the Arctic night. And so great becomes his craving for blood that the wolf does not notice the razor-sharp sting of the naked blade on his own tongue, nor does he recognize the instant in which his uh, tremendous thirst is being satisfied by his own warm blood. And his appetite just craves more and more and more until the dawn finds him dead in the snow. See, the Eskimo hunter realizes that that wolf cannot resist the temptation for blood. Well, there's another hunter that exists. The devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour, is trying to get us with the same temptations. And when we do, we get trapped, and it causes destruction, and it causes death. So why should we discontinue sin? Well, first of all, we have a new identity in Christ. We are under new management, but a warning that sin brings destruction and death, and yes, even in the life of a Christian. It can destroy our fellowship with God. It can destroy our marriages. It can destroy our relationship with the rest of our families. It can destroy our relationship at work, our relationships at church. Sin can cause a lot of problems. Okay, so we now know why we should discontinue sin, but how can we? I want us to notice, secondly, this morning here, the requirements to discontinue. What is our part in the discontinuing process of sin? What requirements are there in this passage that we need to fulfill? Well, three that I've shared with you a a few months ago. I'll share them again this morning. And that is, first of all, we need to realize what God says. There's three special words in this chapter that give us the keys to unlocking this ability to discontinue sin in our lives. The first uh, key word is the word know. K-N-O-W. And it's found three times in this, in this chapter. And so if you're uh, in, the pro- in the practice of highlighting or underlining or circling, um, I would encourage you to uh, do that with these words. Verse number three, we find the word know. It says, know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death. Verse number six mentions it as well. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. Knowing this, we need to realize and to know what God says. Verse number nine, it's found there as well. Knowing that Christ, being raised from the dead, dieth no more, death hath no more dominion over him. So we are to absolutely know what God says. Uh, Paul said it this way in Galatians 2 and verse number 20, uh, regarding our, our, our state, verse number six here, it says, knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him. You see, the moment we were saved, uh, the old man was also crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. Paul said it this way in Galatians 2.20, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me in the life which I now live in the flesh. I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So we are to realize what God said. And uh, I know we, we may not feel like we're dead to sin because again, as I mentioned at the beginning, I still feel the allurement of temptation and sin. And I'm saved. Um, but we need to understand that God says that our old man has been crucified with him and that we should not serve sin because of that. So we need to realize what God says, but then secondly, we need to reckon what God says is true. And there's a word there in uh, verse number 11, likewise reckon, and that's a key word as well. It only appears once, but it's a key word 
And it's a word that uh, most of us know here in Oklahoma, reckon. Um, I reckon it's time to wrap this message up, you know. Uh, yeah, we, we, we reckon things. We say that a lot. Or, or, but, but here's what that word means. It means uh, to conclude, to judge, uh, to believe to be true. And so here's what we're to believe to be true, to uh, judge, to conclude. Verse number 11, likewise reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. And uh, we've said this, you know, um, I've done several funerals with uh, the casket right in front of the pulpit. There's a, a person who is not alive in that coffin. If I were to go and, and uh, punch him in the nose, do you think he's going to get angry at me and, and get bitter at me? No. Why? Because he's dead. I go offer him a, a beer and say, hey, man, it's just one beer. It's not a big deal. You think he's going to indulge? No. The reason? He's dead. I'm going to give him a... Uh, a smartphone with unfiltered internet access, and I say, hey, go for it, wherever you'd like to go, my friend. You think he's going to go anywhere inappropriate? No. The reason? He's dead. You and I are to reckon ourselves to be dead, to believe that we are dead to those sins. God has given us, as believers, the ability to not sin anymore. We need to reckon ourselves to be dead unto sin. Now you name the sin, you can put it, the temptation in front of that dead person, and he's going to say he's not going to do it. And you know why? Because he's dead. And you and I, I need to consider the fact that we, God's word tells us that we are dead. And this is the faith part. Again, I don't feel like I'm dead to sin sometimes because I feel that temptation. And I know perhaps you do too. But we're to believe what God's word says here and to reckon what he says is true. So we are to reckon what God says is true. And then thirdly, we are to resolve to do what God says. There's another key word in this passage. It's the word yield. It's found four times, twice in verse 13, once in verse 16, and once in verse 19. Verse 13 says, Neither yield ye your members as instruments of righteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God. Verse 16, Know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants ye are to whom ye obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. Verse number 19, I speak after the manner of men because of the infirmity of your flesh, for as ye have yielded your members, servants, uh, here's the yielded is, is found here in verse number 19, so it's, it's found, I guess, five times. Yielded your members, servants, to uncleanness and to iniquity unto iniquity. Even so now yield your members, servants, to righteousness and to holiness. So here's the deal. We need to decide who we're going to serve, sin or the Savior. It's one of the two. Someone said it this way, two choices on the shelf, pleasing God or pleasing self. Every day we are faced with a choice to give in to temptation and sin or to instead refuse and yield ourselves to the Lord. One, again, as I mentioned, is a terrible master that leads to death and destruction. The other is a gracious, loving master that leads to holiness and life. So which one is it going to be? You're going to yield to someone or something, you're either going to yield to sin or you're going to yield to the Savior. It's one of the two. Amen. And so my encouragement and Paul's encouragement here is to resolve to do what God says and to yield ourselves to the Lord rather than to sin. I surrender all, all to him I freely give. I will ever, ever love and trust him in his presence daily live. I surrender all. I'm going to yield everything to him instead of yielding myself to sin. I surrender all. So how are we to 
discontinue. Well, we need to realize what God says here. And we need to reckon what God says is true. And then thirdly, we need to resolve to do what God says, to yield to the Lord. The last thought here as we wrap it up, because I reckon it's time to wrap this up. The reward of discontinuing. Look in verse number 22. But now being made free from sin and become servants to God, ye have your fruit unto holiness and the end everlasting life. In verse number 21, he says, what fruit when you were in when you were in sin, what, what kind of fruit did you have? Well, he answers it with the word death in verse 21 and shame. But verse 22, for those who to say, I'm going to discontinue sin and instead I'm going to serve Christ and I'm going to be, uh, stay away from sin in my life, I'm going to have the fruit unto holiness and the end everlasting life. You see, instead of causing destruction and death, we can produce fruit unto holiness. Instead of causing damage and destruction in my life and in the lives of the others in my life, in Christ I can be used to bring glory to God and to bless others. I can use my tongue to bring life. I can use my time and talents to be a blessing to others and ultimately bring glory to God and be a tool of righteousness and holiness instead of causing hurt and harm. I was thinking about this verse, Proverbs 13 and verse number 15 says, the way of transgressors is hard. Those who are in sin, yes, they have the freedom to live it up and to have whatever pleasure they want, but guess what? The aftermath of all that pleasure is hardness. Here's why it's so hard. They're always looking over their shoulder, wondering when it's going to catch up with them. Wondering when their sin will be made known. They're always wondering if they did enough to cover their tracks so that no one finds out. Always worried about, did I, did I remember to delete my internet history last night? Oh, I hope my mom doesn't see. I hope my dad doesn't take my phone and check. And we're living a life always looking over our shoulder, hoping that nothing comes up. And no one notices. But you know what? Even though no one may have seen, there is someone who does. The eyes of the Lord are in every place beholding the good and the evil. Yeah, the Lord sees. And the way of transgressors is hard. Trying to make sure that you've taken care of and cleaned it all up and make sure that it's all uh, gone. The way of transgressors is hard. It's, it's a hard life. That's why you see people who are like 30 years old who've lived a life of sin and they look like they're 60 years old or 70. It's because the way of transgressors is hard. You want an easier life? Stay away from sin. Yeah. Matthew 5 and verse number 6, blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they should be filled. Someone once said this, there's no softer pillow than a clear conscience. When there's guilt in your life, you're going to have a hard time sleeping, looking people in the eye, hoping they don't know, wondering if they do. But when you have a clear conscience and you know you're right and you've done nothing wrong, there's no softer pillow to lay your head on at night. You say, oh, I've got a pretty soft pillow. It's from Mr. Pillow or my pillow, my pillow. Uh, good. But the softest one there is, is a clear conscience. Do you have one this morning? Um, I need to, like I said, wrap this up. I've got a couple other things to say, and then I'm done. Verse number 22 says this, But now being made free from sin and become servants to God, ye have your fruit unto holiness and the end everlasting life. 
At first glance, it may seem like verse 22 almost uh, is teaching that uh, we would just have to stop sinning and then we will have eternal life. Well, just to clarify, of course, Romans 6 and Romans is written to uh, a church that has that to people who are already saved, to believers. Uh, the truth of the matter is no one can get to heaven by stopping to sin. It's, uh, it's like this uh, following story here. A, a man purchased a little white mouse to use as food for his pet snake. Maybe, did anybody have a pet snake growing up? Okay. Brother Boubier, I'm not surprised. Um, um, I don't know what that means. I just am not surprised. Well, he bought this uh, white mouse to give to his snake for, for a meal. So he dropped the unsuspecting mouse into the snake's glass cage, where the snake was sleeping in a bed of sawdust. The tiny mouse had a very serious problem on his hands. He was about to be snake food at any moment he could be swallowed alive well obviously the mouse needed to come up with a brilliant plan and fast so what did the terrified creature do he quickly set up work covering the snake with sawdust chips until it was completely buried and with that the mouth the mouse uh, apparently thought he had solved his problem but you see the solution actually came not from inside the cage but from outside the cage The man watching all of this took pity on the silly little mouse and reached his hand down and took him out of that cage. No matter how hard we try to cover or deny our sinful nature, it's fool's work. Sin will eventually awake from sleep and shake off its cover, and were it not for the saving grace of the master's hand reaching down and rescuing us from our life of sin, sin would eat us alive too. Say, we need to be saved from the grace of God. But once we are, I would encourage us to discontinue sin. So, what sin today do you need to discontinue? Is it lust? How about envy? You're just jealous of somebody or many somebodies. Is it laziness? That's a sin. You read the book of Proverbs, it doesn't have much, many nice things to say about those who are sluggards. What about gluttony? Talked about it a little bit on Wednesday night a couple weeks ago. We're about to have a potluck lunch. Should we mention it right now? It's a sin that actually is likened to drunkenness in the word of God. And if we're prone to that, we need to discontinue it. What about anger? Do little things just set us up and we're just a time bomb everywhere we go and and people have to walk on eggshells around you before you explode? Do we need to discontinue that? How about stealing? Cheating? Lying? Are you kind of known as a liar? No one trusts what you say because you're always telling lies. We need to discontinue that. What about swearing? Cussing? Taking the Lord's name in vain? We need to discontinue that. What about a lack of submitting to authority? Children not obeying their parents. Wives not submitting to their husbands. That's sin. You say, Pastor, it's all good when you just say the word sin, but once you start spelling out what sin is, that starts getting a little close to home. Yeah, I know. For me too. Those are sins of commission, but there's also sins of omission. James 4.17 tells us, Therefore, to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. So are there things that God wants you to do, but you have refused to obey? That's sin you need to discontinue. 
you need to say, I'm sorry, but uh, we're no longer carrying that here. We no longer serve that here. Why? Because I belong to Christ. Why? Because I'm under a new manager. I'm under the management of a Savior and His grace. And because I understand what destruction and death sin can cause, no longer am I going to participate in that. I'm going to stop carrying that. I'm going to stop serving that. And I'm going to instead yield myself to God and be His servant instead of serving sin and causing destruction with my life. What sin do you need to discontinue today? Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you for the time today to talk about discontinuing. Lord, our theme for this year is we want to continue. We want to keep going. We want to be faithful. Lord, if we're going to do that, we've got to discontinue sin. And we're not going to be found faithful if there's sin in our hearts and lives. And so, Lord, today... I pray you'd help us to get right with you regarding the sin that may be present in our life. And Lord, it may be something I've said or maybe something totally different than you're, that you're pinpointing in, in somebody's heart. And I pray, Lord, that they would get that right today and they would decide that they're no longer going to serve that. That they don't have to anymore because the Bible says they're dead unto sin. And they have a new identity and they're now under grace. And they no longer want to cause destruction and death. But rather they want to instead hunger and thirst after righteousness and be blessed. To stop running the transgressor's way, which is hard. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Miss Pat, would you mind beginning to play? And as she does, I want to invite you to have a time of prayer, decision about whatever the Lord has spoken to you about today. I know the Lord has spoken to me, and I want to encourage you to do business with the Lord as he has done business in your life.